Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. For the month of August, we are going to be doing this series, as you saw, Words to Live By. So basically a way of encouraging you and readying you for the fall, what is to come and what you're anticipating. I know for us as a family, it's going to look way different. We have, I was homeschooling our four kids last year, and they are all going back to school this year. And so it's going to be much different, our family rhythms and dynamics and what life looks like day by day. But it is just so exciting to know that there's a, a new story, a new chapter coming. And who's excited about the fall? Yes? Let me know. Yes, it is going to be great. This morning felt like fall. It was seven degrees. I was like, oh, yeah, fall is coming, but we still have summer left. Yeah. Let's not forget that. Still have great summer Sundays to enjoy celebrating together, which is so, so great. And you guys have all enjoyed this morning and maybe for months, weeks, our beautiful service intro. You know, creative people. Oh, so thankful for a body, for a team who makes church awesome. And the, the creative genius of making this vision statement come alive. And that's our church vision statement. If you didn't catch it in there, we say, be with Jesus, be like Jesus, and carry on the mission of Jesus. And that's that's our core as a church. And over this time away even, I was thinking about, do we really know what the mission of Jesus is? What is the mission of Jesus? Just to ask those questions so that we can actually understand what we're professing. It's a good idea. Do you think? Yes? I think so. Um, in Matthew 28, this is actually called the Great Commission um, by many, many, many people. And it says, Jesus, he's talking to his disciples. And so, so when I speak about Jesus and obviously like his disciples and about things Jesus did, that is from the Bible, which is what we teach out of every week. It is the authoritative word of God. It is living and active. And the beauty of having a message full of scripture as my husband pointed out to me last night as he was uploading it onto the iPad. He's like, wow, you have a lot of scripture. I'm like, well, his words are better than mine. So let's go with that. And we're going to hear a lot of his words and believe that they are for us now because this is a living word, which means that it actually updates. It's like the sweetest update in the world. It updates to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. And it's active and real and relevant to our lives today. And so this word of Jesus, when he's speaking to his disciples, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, as we talked about, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. So this is our 
co-mission with Christ. And it's to make disciples. Now, maybe you've heard that word quite a few times in your, in your seasons of church life, whether even you're new to church, you've heard it a couple times, or you've heard it your entire life, like myself. It's like disciple, disciple. What is this word? Like it, it, it almost sounds daunting. Like it's this big expectation and I don't even know what it really means. And so I just got to asking that word, what that word means. It's like, what is a disciple and why is it important? And I have to say that you know, my parents are here today, my mom and my dad, and I am so thankful that, oh, shoo, um, I'm so thankful that they prioritize their children as their first disciples because I learned about Jesus and who he is from my parents. And as parents, if you're a parent or a, a person who carries influence in someone's life, you are meant to be a disciple and actually show them who Jesus is. And so I grew up with this message of being a disciple. And so as I dug into what the meaning of a disciple is, and you look at the Bible, and the disciple was one who followed a rabbi. He was a student, or she was a student of this rabbi, or this leader, or this master. And in the Bible, we learn about Jesus, and he was a rabbi. He actually called people to follow him. Come follow me so that I can teach you who I am, and so that you can live it out. It was actually considered a privilege to carry the dust of the rabbi on your clothing because that meant you were really close. If you're really close to someone walking in dirt, you get some of that dirt on you. I know even quadding in the mountains, if you are close to the next tire in front of you, you get spit in the face from mud. And it means, well, that means you're too close. But with a rabbi, this is meant to be a privilege to be that close to learn from him. If you've ever seen the Chosen series on online, it's so incredible. I encourage you to watch it, and it it makes the story of the disciples come alive. It's like these are real people, the way they banter and argue and and kind of walk and follow after Jesus. They eat together. They see Jesus do miracles. They see how he lives and how he acts and how he loves others. And it's just such a powerful reflection of what walking in the way of a master looks like. And that's what a disciple is. And so why is it important to be a disciple? Well, truthfully, it's because God wants each one to call him father. God wants each one to know him. And the way that other people get to know Jesus and be his disciple is by us showing them what it looks like so that each one can be fully committed followers of Jesus so that God's kingdom can expand and advance on this planet for when he returns to call us home and to take us with him. Um, and I was studying a bit on discipleship and I kind of went through this little course online. It was really helpful. And there was three essentials that came from that and I found it really helpful. And so that's what I'm gonna share with you this morning. And is these three components of learn, live, and leave. And if you have a phone or if you have a note paper, I encourage you to write it down. You know, one of the ways that we engage and remember something that we've heard is that we actually write it down, especially in a generation where we hear 
a lot. We've got a lot of stuff coming in. So for stuff to stick, it helps if we can write it down to remember it. I also, half of you are going to hate me right now, but I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And we're also going to act out these three. Don't worry, there won't be any of this. You won't kick your neighbor. But we're just going to go through these three, these three things that learn, live, and leave. This, these are the words that God gave me. I'm going to tell you them, and then we're going to say them twice together with the actions, okay? I teach a lot of kids' classes. This is going to help. I, just believe me. Okay, it's know me, show me, and follow me. See, you have two hands, so you can use two hands. But ready? Know me, show me, follow me. One more time. Know me, show me, follow me. Awesome. You can have a seat. Thanks, guys, for hanging out with me and doing that. Because I, when you engage your body, it actually also engages your brain. So you might just remember those three things, even if you don't remember anything else. You might remember, know me, show me, follow me. Okay, I do remember that. And the first is know me. You know, we can't actually teach someone what we do not know. I even found, like, I took CPR for years, but until I had to teach it, I didn't have to really get that information to be able to then work it out. And that's what we are called to do. Actually, the, the meaning of the word disciple, the Greek word disciple is actually translated manthano, which means to learn. So the very essence of being a disciple is learning. You cannot be a disciple and not be learning. We are meant to continue to be learning about Jesus and who he is. In 2 Timothy 2.14, it says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from who you, whom you've learned it. And Philippians 4.9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And that's actually Paul, who it was a disciple of Jesus, is saying, I've learned some things, so learn from me. It's the follow me as I follow Jesus. It's like you are just a little bit further along so I can learn that from you. So this isn't meant to be like, oh, okay, once I've learned everything, then I can actually share something. It's actually meant to be, I have learned this and so I can help you with this. It's just like teaching. If I've learned how to read, I can teach you how to read. I haven't learned yet how to, you know, like whatever it is, sew a quilt. I haven't learned that. So someone else can teach me that. It's so powerful how God has created us and given us a family to be able to learn from each other. In the Bible, there's actually an assumption that we're being taught. In Colossians 2, 6-7, it says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, so said yes to following Jesus, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. There's, we're meant to be being taught by godly leaders, by, by godly teachers and trainers. 
God's word and through his life. You know, the story of Jesus is so magnetic. And if you, if you have a Bible or if you don't, we have one for you. After the service, you can visit our next steps and you can have a Bible and you can read the story of Jesus. You know, and Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, these are the stories of Jesus. This was his life while he lived on the planet. And it's powerful. There's so much that we can learn from him. You know, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, he says, you know, come take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am gentle and I'm humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus wants you to learn from him straight to the source, which is so powerful. Daniel eleven thirty two 32 in the old Testament, it says the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. I just loved how there's so many promises attached to actually knowing Jesus. You know, there is, there is this certainty that there will be fruit from your life if you know Jesus. Um, there's a great, great sign on the road between here and Sylvan Lake, which that's where my parents live, so I go there weekly. I drive on this road on, the, on Highway 2, and if you've ever seen it, and media, you can put it up, the Know Jesus, Know Jesus, you have to see it for it to make sense, but it's like when we know Jesus, we know hope. But if we got no Jesus, we got no hope. And it's like the reality is, is that knowing God is what brings fruit from our life. In Matthew 7, to 23, this is the challenge though, is that it's actually something that we need to be working out. It says in Matthew, many will say to me on that day, that final day when we meet Jesus face to face, and we will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? We did wow stuff for you, Jesus. Isn't it great? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me. That's such a convicting scripture, kind of freaky. But the truth is, is we are meant to know him because that phrase, you know, to know me is to love me. It's true, like to, to not know God, we lose that connection of falling in love with him and living in love with him. So how can I know him? How can I know Jesus? Four ways that I'm going to share with you is one, read God's word. Like I said, read his story, read the gospels, you know, to know his life. We learn so much. Second, listen and learn from godly teachers. You know, we have Pastor Mike and Monica who, who pour into us each week. We have great, great resources on our website. We have people like Joanne, you know, she wrote a book. That is so powerful. Sharpen your sword. It teaches you about God's word and trains you in how to live out this message that he's given us. There's so many godly teachers that I could recommend to you or other leaders would love to recommend to you. Third, memorize scripture. You know, it says, I have hidden his word in my heart so that I will not sin against him, which means when I have his word, it's there, it's rooted, it's deep. It's when I'm far from any type of device or even even my Bible, I, his scripture is leading me. So when I'm in those decision-making moments, there is something there that will bring fruit from this, from my, what I choose. And four is meditating on his word. I meditate on your word day and night. It's, it's something we chew on, we mull over. And because it's a living word, it is going to do some stuff in us that we didn't even expect. And it's powerful, his word. 
So know me. Number two is show me. And that is live. Let's live it. If you've ever been to a sporting event, have you ever been to a live sporting event? Probably most of us. So fun. I love going to sporting events. And it's, it's amazing if you, if you observe, you know, the people who are attending the sporting event, they're kind of milling about, they're having, you know, small talk conversations, maybe trying to find their seats, maybe down in a couple chili dogs. They're just ready to have a good time and enjoy this event. But if you kind of scan over and you see and observe the athletes, it's very different. You know, they're, they're warming up, they're getting ready. They have some training and they have learned so much over the past weeks or months to prepare them. They're not downing chili dogs. They have like their nutrition is scheduled, their sleep. They've done their seven ritual things that they do before every game and they are ready. They've readied themselves and they know when their cleats hit that field or their skates hit that ice that they now have to show what they know. They've got to actually live out what they've learned. It is go time now. And we are meant to actually apply what we know. This is challenging sometimes. We live in a YouTube generation. It's like you can learn useless stuff about all sorts of things. I can learn how to rebuild my car engine. It's like I'm so glad I spent an hour and 27 minutes learning how to rebuild this part of the engine. But if I'm never going to use that information, it's useless. It just doesn't do anything productive or helpful in my life. And so we are meant to, with God's word, with knowledge of him, actually be transformed, not just informed, but transformed to be walking in his likeness. Luke 6 49 says, but the one who hears my word and does not do something like put it into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. Not smart. You don't have to have a degree in construction to know that's not a smart idea. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. We have nothing to stand on if we don't actually put into practice what we have learned. James 2, 15 to 17 says, suppose a brother or sister, your friend is without clothing and food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, it's like, but does nothing about their physical needs. Like, it, it really does nothing to help them. In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. It's useless if you don't do something with it. Second Peter 1, 3 to 11, I won't read it all, but his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Everything we need everything we need. That's pretty powerful. Through our knowledge of him. So knowing him actually is giving us part of what we need, that power. And he has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate, that's an action word, in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort this is action. This is what we're doing. This is what we're called to do. To add to your faith, goodness this is a long list, but it's all good. And to goodness, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective 
and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I just thought that's so good because it's like if we aren't activating and using the knowledge that, that, we're, that knowing that we're growing in, then we are going to be ineffective or ineffective and unproductive. And God has called us to be productive. So we are meant to continue learning so that we can live and look like the master, which is Jesus, to look like our teacher, which is Jesus. But we have to watch what we're saturating our minds with, what we are actually growing in our minds. Actually, in, in Acts, there, the word Christian meant little Christs, which meant there was little Christ in all these communities. We are meant to be little Christs wherever we go, our school, our job, our home. We are meant to be a reflection and an imitation of him and who he is. In Luke 6.40, it says, The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. So to be like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to live like Jesus, again, we have to learn from him. And I don't know if you're like me, but I'm just like, yeah, that's not possible. Eh, nope. How can I actually be like Jesus? Like, who am I? I'm human. I'm flesh. I got a lot of natural desires that are really hard to actually live out this beauty of, of loving and, and having this mutual affection and being patient and kind. But that's the beauty of our Savior, is that he says, for it is by grace you have been saved. This is not through, through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, that, so that no one can boast. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So we continue to work at it. That doesn't mean it's perfect. But the truth is, is that if we can humble ourselves, if we can realize that, that being humble before God and realizing I need a savior is going to be how I'm going to activate the ability to step out and ask for forgiveness for someone that I have, that I need forgiveness from, or to forgive someone who's hurt, hurt me. Those things take humility. They take saying that pride is not my God. God is my God. And the beauty of humility, it says in the Bible, humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. Humility is a currency of heaven. It's something that in our culture, I feel like it's very, very countercultural to how we're taught to live and how we're taught to even speak is very much, I'm, I'm on my own and I've built it myself. But God requires us to humbly come before him and say, I need a savior. He is the hero of the story. Jesus is the ultimate salvager of things. My dad is here, and he's the ultimate salvager in my life. He can create things out of nothing, lots of broken pieces, and make things that work. He had three sedus given to him that were, you know, in a terrible storm, and he pieced them all together, so we have one sedu to rip around on the lake all summer long. It's amazing, and salvaging is one of those... It, it, feeds into that phrase, you know, one man's junk is another man's treasure. 
so true. And it's like this tiny little explanation of, of our Jesus and what he does. He is the ultimate one who can take broken pieces and piece them together and create something beautiful that can reflect him, which is incredible that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He covers our mess. He covers our shortcomings and where we don't measure up, but it cost him his life. And that's something that we remember as followers of Jesus is that this grace, this life of abundance isn't cheap. It cost our savior his life. And so when we continue to walk in sin intentionally, we spit on our Savior and say, you know what, I could, I could do it one more time. It's, you know, you can handle it. But Jesus says, go and sin no more. Leave that life of sin and follow me because I love you that much that I don't want to leave you that way. And we need his spirit to show the world what he can do. So number three, leave or follow me. That maybe doesn't make sense yet, but follow me. Jesus said, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. You know, Jesus is leading us. And if we are following Jesus, that means that we can't go that way too. I don't know about you, but you actually can't walk in two directions at the same time. You have to choose which way you're gonna go. It's just the nature of humanity. We have to make a choice. And Jesus says, follow me. So that means if I'm walking this way, I'm getting further away from what's behind me. I'm getting further away from that which is on the right or the left because I am choosing to follow Jesus. You know, we've, we've had the privilege, um, my husband and I, of being a part of some wedding ceremonies, uh, you know, one last weekend, the one last night, and many more to come. And it's so great seeing people commit to one another. And, and it is a beautiful thing that God has designed and created. But you know, when I said yes to Jeremy, my husband, it's like I was saying no to others for the rest of my life. And there's a sacrifice. There's a commitment that's required. It's, it's not, not something that wavers. It is an exclusive commitment to be with him forever. There is a cost. In Luke 14, 25 to 27, it says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Wow. Like reading that verse, you know, I've skipped over it for quite a few years and I don't necessarily revel in the fact of sharing it with you today to encourage you really. Um, but it's, it, and in trying to understand this verse, as I, as I dug into it, it's so crazy because Jesus is just saying here, make me your top priority. Make me your number one priority because who is the source of love and joy and patience and kindness? It's Jesus. It's his spirit. And who needs love and kindness and gentleness and, and, and joy? Who needs that? The people around us, your mother, your father, your sister, your brother. So the only way to actually have those things to be able to give and serve and love others is through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus. And so that's what he's saying here. He's not saying, you know, like, hate your husband and leave him. He's saying, love me so much that it pours out of you and changes every relationship in your life. 
And so Jesus is calling us to walk in his direction. Follow me. And sometimes that means leaving a relationship that you know isn't healthy. Sometimes it means leaving a bed that brings you pleasure. But Jesus has called you out of it and follow me. Sometimes it means leaving that drink on the table and saying, never again. Jesus, you're my number one priority. Sometimes it means leaving money in the bank and learning how to, how to work with your finances so that you can be radically generous when God calls you to. Maybe it means leaving certain comforts because you want to be able to afford to, to give and be generous with someone else. Maybe it means leaving time to be available to help others or leaving time and leaving your phone on silent or away from you so that you can engage with people and with Christ and his presence. He requires you to leave and focus on him, your number one priority. And saying yes to Jesus means saying no to other things. Whenever you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. That's the truth. You've probably learned about that in different motivational talks. It's like, you know, you're always saying no to something, and it's true if you're saying yes to something else. And it's the same with Jesus. It's not just an easy tag on to life and addition. It's like, oh, that sounds good. I should do that. I should say yes to Jesus. He sounds great, but he, there's a cost. He's saying, you actually are gonna have to leave that life behind. You're gonna actually have to say, I am committed to you and only you, number one, for the rest of my life. And as you choose to love Jesus in a way that is all encompassing, to know him intimately, to show him to that world around you, to leave certain things behind, He's gonna create opportunity for you to then show others. You know, it's like, follow me as I follow Christ. I know, I know this one verse and it gave me such encouragement this week. I wanna share it with you. Could, could we maybe read the Gospel of John together? Could we maybe read about Jesus's life together? Because you know what? I'm learning, so that means you can be learning right behind me or right beside me. That's being a disciple. Let's not make it what it's not. Let's just believe that God is actually calling us to follow him and then say to others, follow me as I follow Jesus. We're gonna just try and do this together. You don't need a degree in theology to be a disciple. You can follow Jesus one step at a time and believe that someone is right there with you or bring someone along. And that's what I want you to do right now. I want you to think of that one person Either write that name down or, or write it down in, in your notebook when you get home or on your phone right now. I just want you to think of one person. You know, it could be a neighbor. It also could be your daughter. It could be your friend. Someone that you're saying, you know what? I want to be a disciple. I want to actually follow Jesus. I want to learn about Jesus. And I want to show someone else how they can know Jesus as well. And that's being a disciple. And I'm just gonna invite everyone to stand to their feet. And you know, like I said, there's a cost to following Jesus in saying yes to him, but it's a free gift. It's really an oxymoron. 
but it's, it's realizing that his gift of salvation is for you. It's saying that he, he has paid it all. He has covered you. His grace is enough and sufficient for anything that you have experienced, your trauma, your pain, your uncertainty, your healing that needs to happen in your physical body. God says, I've paid for it. And so we just believe that there's freedom and relief now for you, for your body, for your mind, for your soul. But the truth is as well, is that when you are saying yes to Jesus, that he wants all of you. He wants you to be all in. That's why we do full immersion baptism. It's like, I am going all the way in because Jesus is my number one. And so we're gonna pray a prayer together right now and we're gonna all say it together and I just encourage you to repeat these words, hear what they say, and if this is your first time making that commitment, I have steps for you. But let's pray together. Jesus, I come to you today. I am a sinner. I've messed up. I've done many things that have separated me from you. You created me and know me better than anyone. I want to know you more. I want to live out the ways you have called me to. Thank you for your grace to cover all my sins. Thank you for forgiving me I want to follow you, to allow you to lead me as I forgive others, as I love others and share who you are with them. In your mighty, powerful name, I pray, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.